This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where in order to win a championship, you can't just talk the talk. You've got to crip walk the walk. And crip walk to wins Russell Westbrook and the Lakers have been doing, or have been. They haven't always been pretty, and they haven't always been dominant, but they have gone in the win column at the end of the day recently. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I am joined by... My co-host, Alan Riley, who's back after a brief hiatus to grace us with his presence via another drive through recording. Alan, welcome back. How have you been? And a question for you. What do you think Russell Westbrook's favorite movie is? I think I'm, I'm great. But more importantly, <laughs> I think Russell Westbrook's favorite movie is definitely from the Chucky franchise. Because ah. that was his Halloween costume, so he must he must like it. <laughs> he must. But Alan, you're that that's the runner up. His favorite that was the movie, wrong answer. Okay, gotcha. That was the wrong answer. <laughs> Sorry. Russell Westbrook's favorite <laughs> It's okay. Fair try. Russell Westbrook's favorite movie is A Crip Walk to Remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well Mine Alan, too. <laughs> Gets me every time. The songs that Mandy Moore sings in A Crip Walk to Remember are lit. All right, Alan, we, we have limited time here. Uh, this is going to be a zippy episode. We just wanted to get Alan in because we haven't gotten your thoughts on this season yet with regards to actual on-court basketball play, actual Russell Westbrook play. So, Alan, give me one to three words to describe the 2021-22 Los Angeles Lakers in your eyes through the first month of this season. It can be one to th- three words or even a small, a short phrase. Okay. Frustrating. Those are beeps, Al. Those aren't words. <laughs> I've turned into a robot. Beep, more, beep, more. Boop, boop, beep, pop, boop. Uh, but one of those beeps said frustrating. Um, another okay. was, oh, try not to be so negative, maddening. Okay. Give me one positive word. <laughs> Here comes a positive one. Here comes a positive one. This is on the heels of that Rockets game, so it makes sense. Um, dynamic. Okay, so before you expound upon those words, I'll tell you that my one word for how, I've, how I would describe this Lakers team so far is 2K basketball. All the good parts of 2K and all the bad parts in terms of undisciplined play, but you get frenetic dynamic energy and it's you get the highlights right but you you take a a, a, you zoom out and look at the scope of the 2k game you just played and you're like holy shit 130 to 128 we almost lost so that's that's how i would describe the lakers so far like a dr jekyll mr hyde it's you playing 2k uh you, you you took fatigue off um and you're not really taking it too seriously at the end of the day you 
you're racking up the stats. It looks fun. It, you know, you're looking for the highlight plays, but at the end of the day, you still haven't locked in substantially yet. So with that said, why don't you expound upon your words of maddening, frustrating, but also dynamic? Okay, so I will start with dynamic then. Um, yeah, I mean, clearly the team is starting to evolve, right? Maybe I should have said evolution. Um, and players are starting to play within themselves, right? Like LeBron keeps saying, stop trying to fit in, try to fit out, which is really funny because I feel like that started with Kevin Love on the Cavs. And he used to say things like, guys need to stop fitting out and fit in. So he's clearly like changed how he defines those phrases. And I really like it. Like now Russell Westbrook is starting to like stand out as opposed to laying back and, and being really like, um, like deferring, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's great that guys are starting to uh, play to their own like identities basically. And I think I said this before the season started. I said, this is the Lakers preseason. This yep. is the growing pains. This is the let's figure it out phase. And I think that that's what we're starting to see at this point. Um, so I think that's really exciting. And all that is really good. As far as what has been frustrating and maddening, I mean, without getting into like the details, it's the defense, right? Like we all know that the Lakers played mm -hmm. perfectly fine the other night. They put up enough points and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that it was so close and it came down to so many fluky types of things occurring, it's like, dude, I'm going to freaking blow it right here. Like, it, it shouldn't be this stressful <laughs> by mm -hmm. any means. Um, but, again, I think keeping everything in context of where we're at in the season, regardless of how much talent we're putting out there on the floor, um, it's just that we have such high expectations. I think that we're allowing ourselves to uh, project that onto the team right now. So, yeah. of course, we got to continue to preach patience. Um, I mean, we're doing fine, right? We're five and three. It's not like we have a losing record. We'd be third place right now if the playoffs started one or two weeks into the season. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's that's what's frustrating right now is just waiting for the team to show glimpses of living up to that potential more consistently as yeah. opposed to just flashes here and there. Yeah, I think so far they have, as with the Houston game last night and to, to my point about them being a bipolar Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde sort of team, they, they are trying to work the kinks out, especially with, with regards to the big three. Thank God for Carmelo Anthony, who we'll get to in a little bit, because he's sort of been the connective tissue amongst the big three while they get sorted out and get their chemistry going. He's sort of been like this constant pillar, right? Almost like this beacon and lighthouse because, holy crap, if anything's going wrong, just pass to Carmelo Anthony, he's going to hit a shot from the outside. And what a what a luxury that's been for us in this, you know, WIP work in progress period for the Lakers. But I mean, last night, kind of the tale of the season so far, you know, the, the previous Houston game, right? The best defensive showing and effort for probably a more sustained period of time that we've seen yet. And then the second game, I, I guess it's expected that they would have had a letdown playing the same team, same tank team. They're at home again. I guess the letdown was expected, but man, it was kind of embarrassing to the levels of that Oklahoma City collapse game on the road, right? Where the first half they gave up 70 points. And then they decided to turn the screws, Allen, and in the third quarter they held the Rockets to 19 points. That carried on through much of the fourth where, you know, at the end of the day they gave up 28, but like eight or 10 of those happened at the very end with Jalen Green. So really it was more like 
an 18 to 20 point quarter in the fourth, which shows you like this team, I don't know if they have the ability to sustain that level of effort defensively for a whole 48 minutes, but they can turn it on when they want to. I don't know if that's the right mentality to have this early on as they're still getting to know each other as a team. Um, and I don't know if it bodes well if, and, and I don't think it's necessarily that turn the switch on, you know, sort of mentality where it feels like we're entitled and we've already won the championship, kind of like the Clippers last year, right? I don't think it's that at all. I think it's us working things out. And so, like you mentioned, though, it has been frustrating, especially when you see a guy like DeAndre Jordan, his feet are like literally stuck in mud, Alan. He's not even trying on some of these contests. And then you see Alperin Shangun blow past him, right? So yeah, so just give me your quick, uh, before we move on, your quick thoughts on last night's game, because, I mean, LeBron James, these last two games, Alan, has been absolutely ridiculous. And this is where I get to the 2K of it all, right? Because you see these highlights, and Alan, if I had shown you the highlight reel of last night's game, you would have thought the Lakers had blown the Rockets out by like 30, right? Because you got the 80 100%. to LeBron Lobbin. You, you got the 80 to LeBron Lobbin transition where LBJ threw it down with one hand. All of the Westbrook to LeBron whip passes in transition where they look like balletic freight trains running down in the lane, but it looks like there's poetry in motion there going on. You even got DeAndre Jordan getting into the mix off of some of like Westbrook's slick dimes to him where he's throwing it over his head and actually looking pretty athletic. Westbrook almost throwing down that one-handed putback at the end of the game and showing off his feats of athleticism too. Like when he turns on that Nas turbo button, Alan, it does look like you turned off fatigue in 2K and you're just (laughs) spamming the turbo button like crazy. And I feel exhausted for him, but Russell Westbrook's motor is unmatched. So that's been crazy to see. Like the freneticness of it all, whizzing up and down, like they are putting an assault on the rim. I think the Lakers had 78 points in the paint last night, which is the most most points in the paint this season in the NBA uh, by, by any single team. So that's been impressive. And then most of all, it's like AD is kind of gritting stuff out, right? Like he has like one or two like our season's over looking and injuries each oh, game. It seems like this season. <laughs> yeah, dude. But I think what's been encouraging, I think what's been encouraging about AD though is every single time he's gotten up and kind of like, you know, spit on his wounds, rub some salt into it, and he smiles kinda, too. Yeah, he like smiles a psycho. And, <laughs> but he he's like kind of been like a big boy, Anthony Davis this year, kind of beastly, and that's been encouraging to see. And last night, I think he only took like three or four perimeter jump shots. Granted. Uh, he missed them all, but I, I think that'll come around eventually. But the most encouraging part is he's mucking it up in the paint, right? So slowly things are starting to come together for the big three. And so what did you see from last night's game that, that kind of gave you some glimmers of hope, even though it, it may feel like you have to like reach for it? But not really. You know, the highlights are there. LeBron James looks as youthful and as athletic as ever. I'm sure some people would joke that that's not really present LeBron James, but you passed LeBron James coming into the present. But uh, but yeah, your thoughts on last night's game. Well, then the past is the present and the present was the past and all that. So yeah. forget what those people are saying. Um, you know, talking to you, man, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better <laughs> already. <laughs> um, you're right. It, it is like a Jekyll and Hyde type of feeling where offensively on the fast break and all those sorts of things. I mean, this is as exciting as ever, right? Having AD throwing lobs to anybody for that matter, reverting back to 
point guard pre-growth spurt AD, right? That's super freaking exciting. Mm-hmm. Having LeBron tweet, can't wait to play ball, you know? And yeah. then putting his money where his mouth is and, and just balling out like it is 2010 or something Alan, like that. quickly, your thoughts on LeBron James in transition, crossing people over, and then the two-handed jam where he hung on the rim and did like the Shaquille O'Neal, like, let me yes. swing my legs in the air sort of dunk. A game after he threw down that mini windmill reverse jam. For sure, yeah. And, and credit to Ronnie Cycli, and that's where Shaq stole it from. He always talks about that mm-hmm. with the legs going up and all. Yeah, um, yeah, dude. I mean, so those, those are the things that are ridiculously exciting. I mean, if, if you cut up the game tape and just watched us on offense for the most part, I mean, then it's three very, very positive adjectives, right? Super exciting. Yeah. And it's a lot of the things that we talked about before the season starts. Like, this is going to be a really fast team. They're going to get out on the break. This guy's going to be on the wing, blah, blah, blah. And you're, you're going to see a lot of lobs and things like that. So we're starting to see those things come into fruition. I know we're going to talk about Melo later. Um, but yeah, of course, like you got to mention him becoming like the next Sasha Vujicic or whatever, the next Jason Capono. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so those are things that I am feeling really, really good about. And in terms of AD, like you said, yes, he gives us these moments where I'm having a heart attack, you know, and he's he's grasping his ankle he's grasping his knee because it's twisting awkwardly whatever it is but you're right like he's popping up like quite literally popping up off the floor making those statements and then like sprinting to the other end of the court or whatever to show like no i'm good like i got this um so it's just something that i think i don't want to say it's like the boy who cried wolf i'm sure he is in pain but it's just that he reacts to everything so uh like extremely mm-hmm. that it, it is scary um yeah. but you're right in terms of his, the shot chart for example not settling for threes and he's also not shooting well from three like at all but that's fine if you're going to be working down in the post uh if we're going to get those points in the paint um so yeah those are definitely some things that uh we should be grateful for that we should celebrate yeah and also uh so many people are going to give you grief alan for calling carmelo anthony the next jason capono and sasha vujicic my god he is so much more than Dude, that he but suits that, so know, well though and so I know, what <laughs> I know what you're talking about so all right fine he's the next larry bird he's the next it, reggie miller he's exactly. the next steph curry <laughs> exactly. uh quick shout out to lebron james because that closing run in the fourth quarter where he had that flurry of turnaround mid-range jump shots pull-up jump shots several layups in a row including that wild whirling dervish of a left-handed layup that it felt like he probably should have got an and one that was just 10 straight absolutely should have gotten the and one dude these refs are smoking something but hey the king is the king and he's tying everything together so alan like i kind of want to kind of wanted to structure this episode as yeah the big three are coming into form so here are some stats here's what anthony davis is currently averaging on the season 25 points, 11 rebounds, 2.6 assists, 50% from the field. That should probably be 55% if he was just shooting marginally average on his jump shots and from three because he's shooting 15% from three. 71% from the line, that's obviously an area that he has to improve upon. It seems like there's been a curse on him the last year and a half or so. But 0.9 steals, 2.4 blocks, that's the other thing. Defensively, he's been all over the place, right? He's had to carry a large burden and carry a lot of the load defensively for us. But 25-11, 2.6, great by Anthony Davis. LeBron James, 25 points, 5.5 rebounds, 7 assists, 2.3 steals, 0.8 blocks, 46% from the field, 34% from three. Shooting a career high currently at 
uh, at the line, 78%. But I've been most impressed outside of that flurry he had last game and his feats of athleticism is his defense recently. He's been all over the place. He's been stripping the ball from guys all over the place, taking the ball down by himself, dunking on people, obviously. Uh, So there's LeBron, 25, 5, and 7, 2.3 steals. Even Russell Westbrook, 19.4 points, 8.8 rebounds, 8.5 assists, 1.5 steals, 44% from the field, but that's including like the yucky start he had during those first three games where he really struggled. 58% from the line, 22% from three. He obviously has to work on those. So those are our big three rounding into form. But, Alan, I also kind of want to insert Carmelo Anthony because in just 27 minutes, he's averaging 16.5 points, 3.6 rebounds on 51.6% from the field, 53% from three, hitting 3.4 a game. And I mentioned it to Tommy on our last podcast yesterday, which you guys should check out because it's pretty recent. And I talked about how Carmelo Anthony has almost been this glue guy for us, glue guy for the big three as they work the kinks out with their chemistry, as the team works its kinks out defensively. It's been such a luxury to have Melo there. Like I mentioned, be this constant lighthouse beacon with which our stars can go to, Vogel can go to if the offense stalls. And most of all, he's almost been like, the new analogy I have for Carmelo Anthony is, He's like this versatile Lego piece that you can kind of modularly connect to anything, right? Whatever stage Anthony Davis, LeBron James are in, in in their chemistry, whatever stage Russell Westbrook's in with his chemistry with AD, you can plug and click Melo's Lego part into that and it fits really well, you know? And now as all three of them are rounding into form, who's been there this whole time, Alan, gluing everything together or connecting all the pieces together? It's kind of been Carmelo Anthony. So I almost want to say... Yeah, big three, but kind of big three plus one, or it's not even a joke anymore. So far through the first, you know, 10 games of the season, I know it's only been eight. It's kind of been the big four with Carmelo Anthony. So do you want to do your victory dance? Because you kind of called it early on and said that this guy's going to have a huge role, but I don't think even you anticipated that he would be shooting this well. (laughs) Thank you for giving me that credit because... I didn't want to like be super cringy and give myself credit for it and remind everybody. <laughs> no problem. Because um, <laughs> as he's been playing his ass off, I will say I have a little sheepish grin on my face. I'm like, yo, I called this ish way back. I was like, this guy is going to do really well and people count him out, whatever. But it's like, look what he did with Portland, you know, and it's just going to be that with us too. Um, so, yes, I appreciate that. That being said, as you just mentioned, did I anticipate him being on freaking fire like this? Absolutely not. Like, no, no one could have anticipated this except for him, right? Um, I'm in, so incredibly pleased with his consistency, his reliability, just to show up. And, you know, just like anyone, he's going to have an off game, like the OKC one. But, shoot, the whole team was god-awful anyway, so it's fine. We give him a pass. Um, to, to say that, yeah, he's in the big four, um, that is not a tongue-in-cheek statement by mm-hmm. any stretch of the imagination. Um, I would agree that he is that glue piece. He's that universal uh, Lego piece, like you mentioned. Um, the, the fact that he is a stabilizing factor within our offensive system after he was out of the league for an extended yeah. period of time where he couldn't find a spot on a roster where people thought he's done and people are making all these jokes about him shooting in a closed gym and, oh, good for him. He's like lost weight. He slimmed down. Maybe he'll find a place somewhere. And now he is an integral part of what we are doing. Um, 
and you you know you cannot ignore variables like he and LeBron, you know, growing up together. All of the stuff from when they're on the Olympic team, like half of this team was on that 2012 Olympic team, right? With Kobe. Um, Those are things that I think should, that they deserve a lot of credit, actually, Mm -hmm. in terms of how these things have come together. Um, And he mentions it when he's being interviewed, that he just stays ready. He lives in the gym. He's proud of his craft. And yeah, those all sound like coach speak, cookie cutter type answers. But the proof is in the pudding. And you see that hard work truly speaking for itself. And just on a like a personal level for him as an individual, it's so good to see him excelling the way he is and to hear yeah. all the Laker fans in Staples Center just erupting every time he's about to check into the game. I mean, how freaking sweet is that? Um, yeah. So I, I just think from an emotional, sentimental standpoint, even outside of the game, it's it's been one of the like true bright spots of this this young season. I mean, for as well as Dwight Howard's redemption story arc with the Lakers has gone, Melo is, you know, on pace to potentially supersede that, you know, or even be greater than that, which is crazy to think about because they were kind of on the same trajectory. And you're right. Everything is awesome for for Carmelo Anthony as it pertains to Lego uh, Lego pieces. There you go. Um, so <laughs> gonna t- we're going to take it to break really quick. And when we return, we'll close this episode out just, you know, throwing out some more stats and maybe talking a little Russell Westbrook as well. All right. So we are back. Alan, I want to talk to you about Westbrook really quickly. So actually, if you remove the first three terrible games he had, the Golden State game, um, the Phoenix Suns game, and I forget who else we played, but his first three games to start the season were, were god-awful, and his percentages were terrible, turnovers, etc. But if you take those three out, which is understandable because Westbrook had a very uneven preseason, we should have played him from the beginning, I don't know why we didn't. Uh, anyways, um, here, are, here are Russell Westbrook's averages in the last five games. 23.8 points on 48.5% from the field, 9.4 rebounds, assists. Now he's averaging 4.4 turnovers, but a lot of that is actually due to that one 10 turnover game versus Oklahoma City. So it's not as crazy as you'd think. So it's very clear that Russell Westbrook is getting more comfortable. And again, I kind of indirectly credit this to Carmelo Anthony because like last night, I think what? Russell Westbrook had 27 points. Anthony Davis had 27 points. I think LeBron James had... What did he have last night? 27 points or 30 points? Like, I almost credit, like, that big outburst by the big three indirectly to Carmelo Anthony because they've had the start of this season. Yeah, Russell, I mean, LeBron James had 30 points and 10 assists, and all of those three showing out at the same time. I'm like, yes, that's awesome. But that's also kind of been buoyed and sort of massaged by what Carmelo Anthony's been doing this whole season where he's won two games by himself, right? But slowly but surely, Russell Westbrook is also coming into his own He's almost shooting 48% in the last five games. I mean, he is shooting 48% in the last five games. 24 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. And like I mentioned, his turbo, his motor, he's been so aggressive. And yes, are the pull-up mid-range jump shots and early shot clock situations frustrating? For sure. But man, when you see him rebound the ball like a hound tracking a fox or a dog tracking a tennis ball, him racing down the court like a blur. And one thing I'll mention, his assists to guys... You know how sometimes assists, you throw it to a guy and he takes three dribbles and pretty much, you know, does an ISO shot on his own and you still get the assist? 
Russell Westbrook's assists are literally direct assists. The moment he passes it, it's such a good shot for the other guy that it's an open dunk or layup almost like the next second to the point where you it's almost like he scored himself. So him hitting another gear here, slipping in these layups of him racing down against defenders and finishing with such, I don't know, pizzazz, I guess. Um, it, it's been really fun to watch. So like, w- I can't even comprehend his motor at this stage, but it's, it's, it's nice to see him exert himself in a physically imposing way and sort of gain... I think the intangible mental confidence as well, which is, I, I, I think, what you kind of alluded to at the beginning where he's not deferring anymore. So what have your thoughts been on, on Westbrook uh, in, during this recent stretch finding himself? Yeah, I think, you know, when he was saying all the stuff about how preseason doesn't count, <laughs> good thing that B don't count, you know, with regards to turnovers and things like that. Uh, of course, that was going to bleed into the beginning of the regular season. Like you said, had we played it more during preseason, maybe we could have just shifted everything like a week ahead of time in terms of development. Um, and again, those were like all the right things to say. Like, what else is he supposed to say? You know, I've, I've lost it. I suck now. Um, so it did just really take time. But I think it's easy to forget for a lot of people who are critical of Russell Westbrook, that this guy's a superstar, (laughs) right? And you can hate on his game. You might not like his style or whatever it is, but at the end of the day, he's the triple double leader (laughs) in NBA history over Oscar Robertson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is the, he's not 35, 36, 37 years old either. He's right around your age and my age, you know, Mm -hmm. he's in his early thirties. So in, in terms of, his like redemption, so to speak from a brief, you know, slump just to start the season with a brand new team. Um, it's the kind of thing that we're going to look back in hopefully, right? Like January, February and be like, Oh, that was, that was funny. How much people were freaking out. Yeah. Um, I know I was looking at his stats last night too, after the game. And honestly, I wasn't expecting like the field goal percentage and things like that to be as, as great as they are or just normal considering how much of a slow start he got off to. I really thought it'd be like, ah, it's going to take a little while for these numbers to to regress back to the mean or whatever. Um, But the fact that he's already corrected that course um, Mm -hmm. really speaks to, yeah, just how it's not that he flipped the switch or anything, but I don't know, maybe in some type of way. Yeah. Like the, the, the switch has been flipped. Yeah. Um, Quickly to end this show, some quick team stats, and I'll give you the final word on any other thing you want to talk about as on the team as a whole. Uh, the Lakers, after the second Houston game, are still number two in pace, which is crazy to think that they're still working the kinks out on that end, but they're playing at such a quick pace, obviously aided by Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Carmelo Anthony shooting the lights out so quickly. Uh, they are right behind the Rockets at number one and right above the Warriors. The Lakers are fifth in points. They're averaging 113.4 a game. Unfortunately, they are 25th in opponents' points per game as well. So they're giving up 112.6, which is probably not a surprise to most people. They are second in field goal percentage, 48.2%, which lends to the fact that they're getting a lot of points in the paint, they're getting a lot of shots in transition, and they're really forcing the issue driving the ball. But also, on the perimeter, Carmelo Anthony's percentages have been red hot. Uh, 76ers are number one at 49.2%, but the field goal percentage is very encouraging. Three-point shootings regressed a little bit, but they're still ninth in the league at 36.2%. Again, buoyed mostly by Carmelo Anthony. They're eighth in assists, 24.5. I expect that to rise. They're 25th in free throw percentage at 71%. I hope that rises. 
The worst part, Alan, they're 25th in rebounding, 43.9. And I hope this continues to progress. And I think it will, um, as most people, as most guys get engaged and get on the same page. Um, but yeah, my final observation on, on this team as a whole, as I alluded to at the start, is right now they feel like an and-one mixtape team. Tons of highlights each game, but you zoom out on the grand scope of the game and they can only hold a double-digit lead for two minutes right now, it seems like. Uh, a lot of style over substance. Um, a lot of that has to do with, you know, again, being able to maintain consistently consistently a defensive I- identity and focus, uh, as well as Vogel having to glue together some mix-and-match lineups due to the injuries that we have. Um, but yeah, I just don't want to be a team that, you, that shows insane high-octane highlights and... Like I mentioned, you'd think that we blew the other team out when you watch them, but when you look at the score and when you actually dissect the game, there's so much, you know, inconsistency, there's so much laziness, there's so much fickle mental focus and intensity waning all all throughout. I just want to make sure that this team, as they progress forward, and I think it's naturally going to happen as guys get used to each other, and we're already starting to see that, that we can lock in more consistently throughout the course of a 48-minute game so we don't just become one of these highlight reel teams who don't actually win in a dominant fashion. And we always consistently think that we can turn it on for the next 10 minutes and we'll win a game. So uh, your final thoughts. Yeah, I think you said all of that really well. Um, Yeah, I think as far as like the rebounding, for example, and us being ranked so low at this point, I think you could probably point towards the defense being out of position a lot of times, right? Mm -hmm. And just not being in a position uh, to rebound the ball well. So Hopefully those two things are, you know, they're correlated and it'll improve. Um, you know, all, all of the offensive rankings, like you said, none of that is surprising. I mean, we can see it for ourselves with our own eyes. Um, where I think there's like the most room for growth, obviously it is on the defensive end. And we can see where teams are really carving us up <laughs> with regards to pick and roll of course and not knowing where to be positioned and things like that mm-hmm. hopefully like it just takes time you know and um and, and building up those right habits and you you can see that there's a lot of miscommunication from time to time and i mean one of the other unfortunate things is like we're still missing players you know mm-hmm. we're missing kendrick nunn who's a big piece we're missing trevor reza who's supposed to be one of our most reliable defenders you know we'll see how that goes just because he's age and whatever life. yeah and he's absolutely so we still, even if this particular squad and these rotations start to figure it out, you know, we're going to be inserting guys again who are going to have to learn. Now, thankfully, those are their strengths and those are where they're talented. So hopefully that process is a little bit faster and smoother. Um, but yeah, I agree. None of this and one mixtape tour from top to bottom, just on the offensive end. That that would be that'd be great if we could maintain that, dude. This is fun. Yeah, and, and thank God for the easy schedule that allows us to kind of get our bumps and bruises in, but still come out with the win, right? So this by next design. stretch, <laughs> yeah, by design, this next stretch is going to be the toughest. Alan, you're going to go to the game against the OKC Thunder. That should be fun. We're all going to go to the game. game. Indeed, exactly. That's so sad. We're all going to be, the Lakers legacy is going to be at the game on Monday versus the Hornets, so that should be fun. That's a game that we could, yeah, yeah. Bum, 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 indeed. But that's a game we might lose, you know? They're a competitive team, and we play the Blazers, who have been struggling, but we know whenever they face the Lakers, <laughs> it's on, you know, especially Damian of Lillard. Course. So after the OKC game, Alan, we're playing the Blazers, the Hornets, and the Heat. So this is going to be a very interesting stretch because for the first time since we played, you know, maybe the Warriors and the Suns, it's going to be 500 competitive teams looking to play in the playoffs. So 
how good. are we going to fare then? Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, it's a good thing. I think, I mean, are we like at our best right now? Do we have a lot of weaknesses and flaws? Yes. Are we probably guilty of playing down to the competition, even though we have absolutely no right to feel that type of entitlement? But, you know, like you said, right at the top, we played Houston twice. We know what Houston is, you know, grand scheme of things. I'm sure like against these upper echelon, especially Miami, because they look freaking great right now. Um, you would hope that we are able to step up and and see what we can actually do. It'll be a good litmus test early, early in the season. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. All right, with that said, we'll catch you guys next time. Alan, thanks for joining us, and I'll catch you at the game. See you, dude. Ciao, dude. Later. Later.